If I won't draw attention to a store of a city, nation, believe it's a hate crime, it's going to promote the story much more than the plaque alone. National awareness has been brought to this story. Wow. That's genius. If you control the IOPC, you control the police force. Pretty big influence on the media as well. The police looked at my phone 45 minutes and said, this is the worst coercive control I've ever seen. Waking up in a war zone. 20 minutes later, Alison Lowe followed me on Twitter. I decided to swim under the bridge and I saw the top of a top of the, of the person's coat. There's a reason why it's usually twice as many men as females who commit suicide, but in Leeds it's five times as many. There's a revenge agenda. I'm sorry to say that is racism. That is hate. Who cares? I'm a white male. It's a story that has captivated a city and now is drawing national attention too. As a city stand together to fight against hate crime, or so we're led to believe. Of course, that is a possibility, but what really has happened to the blue plaque that was placed upon Leeds Bridge to commemorate the death and tragic story of a Nigerian immigrant named David Uluwale. If you want to go and look at his story, you can find you know, a great deal of information online. Even just pulling in the hashtag Leeds on Twitter at the moment will direct you to that place, I have no doubt at all. And an even better hashtag, why not search his name? So it's David... And the spelling of the surname is O-L-U-W-A-L-E. That's David Oluwale. Now, on Monday the 25th of April, in a sort of warm early summer afternoon outside on Leeds Bridge, around 200 people congregated for the unveiling of a new plaque to commemorate David's life. Now, within a few hours of that ceremony concluding the plaque was stolen and there was an uproar in the city the next day as a result let's see what we know so far because if we go by the media then it's being treated as a hate crime racism so a a plaque that was uh, put up supported by the public to commemorate something that's really important to this city was then taken down it was stolen because of the colour of his skin. Now, I would actually say that whilst that's a possibility, it's perhaps the most unlikely scenario. But apparently the police are launching a thorough investigation and they will get to the bottom of it and find out who the perpetrator is. So we're led to believe. If you would like some real detailed information on David's story, then I believe that a writer, an author called Carl, uh, Carl, sorry, Palmer, who I had not been aware of recently, but on actually having a little background check, seems a pretty admirable guy, to be honest. And we have a lot of similar, similar interests, I would say as well. Anyway, he has uh, wrote a book that includes David's story. So, so that would give you, you know, a great deal of information about it there. And, you know, what did you do go? Look, it is a bit of a tragic story. Now, here's the thing. If something's a hate crime or racism, that would mean that that plaque had been removed simply out of hate for the colour of his skin and his race, which would be absolutely disgusting in this day and age. And unfortunately, things like that do still happen. So we can't rule that out. Of course not. But if you have a look the following day, when once this or, you know, once it was first came to public awareness that the plaque had been stolen, 
the only response is that this is a hate crime. You know, you may see the odd sort of comment or reply to tweet saying, how do you know it's a hate crime, which are obviously ignored, and that those, to be fair, are few and far between. Firstly, and if you're listening to this show and are doing so because you're a fan of my other podcasts on, you know, whether it's on psychology, Marcus Aurelius show or um, Stoicism for Modern Life that I do with Jamie Keeling, the uh, philosophy podcast, then take this as an example how to use Socratic debates to get to a truth. And I'm not saying I'll get to a truth, but hopefully I'll be able to give some light on all the evidence. And in doing so, I'm going to serve an agenda to bring more awareness to his story. I'm also going to be serving an agenda to bring awareness to a huge story that is unknown to anyone listening and is current by its nature. Something that is torturing a city from within and something that most people are completely unaware of, but I've been um, unfortunate to be witness to it myself. But firstly, let's analyse the motives behind someone taking this plaque. If this were to be classed as a hate crime or racism, I, I, you know, I, if that is the case, then who the perpetrator should be punished. Obviously, I, you know, I can't imagine um, why someone would want to do such a thing. It just seems crazy in this day and age. Unfortunately, we do live in a day and age where that may still exist. You know, I, I, I also, though, think there are probably more murderers out in Leeds than there are people who are racist and certainly to that level where they would actually go and do something like that, remove a plaque. And when I say remove a plaque, I must also note that the fall, after the plaque had been removed... Bear in mind this is in the centre of Leeds and at the time they're suggesting it is still light. Um, you know, this is a very, very busy area. Apparently someone's gone and somehow got a plaque off the wall um, and thrown it in the river perhaps or, or what have you without anybody seeing any witnesses at all. Um, anyway, the craziness really stems around this motive because... I have spoke to people in the area. I don't know of one person that I have spoke to who wanted the plaque. People had views where, if anything, they were against it. But not to the extent of protest, but simply because these plaques are to commemorate things that do not need to have a storytelling. You've heard the story. They're things that people from miles away from Leeds will know about. And then when they come here, we'll say, ah, I know of that story, okay? So firstly, this plaque was commissioned for with the objective of drawing attention to this story, okay? There are a lot of people in Leeds who have lived here all their life around this area who see a, a plaque on one side of the bridge commemorating someone called Louis de Prince who invented video. Now, if you come to Leeds and see that, you do not have to be told what video is you know you know what video is wow this person invented video that is what a blue plaque is for and here's where i'm going to put a little debunk on the racism motive and just explain what i mean and how unlikely that scenario is if that plaque were to commemorate martin luther king 
or Michael Jordan, say. Let's say one of, one of them had uh, something happen in Leeds. You know, their lives were somehow linked with Leeds. Would we have then seen the plaque stolen? Would we then have seen a plaque stolen and the story come out as it has with a hate crime? I think the chances are very unlikely. Of course it's possible, but I think it's very, very unlikely. And the reason being, that's what blue plaques are for. Interestingly, of course, following all of this and the huge story that followed the stealing of the plaque and then a replacement plaque that was put up actually the following day as well um, by uh, councillors in Leeds who put a laminated photo in its place and then that was actually ripped in half and now there is another one there again. This is actually making its worthy of a blue plaque now anyway. Okay, I should also incidentally point out this is not a, a view of someone saying this story should not be shared of course it should you know if, if, if this sharing this story helps understand the culture of the city helps to boost equality then absolutely it should be shared and i think it's wonderful that 100 meters further on down the river there is actually a new bridge to commemorate david's life but i do take the view personally and you know, this is just an opinion. So I will say where it's an opinion, not being objective. I do take the view that those plaques are reserved for things from our history that are world or certainly national renowned things that when you come here, you know of the story. Not to highlight a story so you then want to go away and research it more. These are often the attractions that bring people here. You know, I went to John uh, John Lennon's house in Liverpool and that that plaque there to commemorate that meant a lot to me. I knew it would be there. It's one of the reasons that I went there. And, uh, uh, you know, most people in the area take take the view that that's what blue plaques are for. That does not mean, of course, that we are against it so much or people that I've spoken to are against it so much that they would go to the efforts of taking it down. But, but if asked about a view, then that, that, that's, that seems to be the general opinion. I mean, let's bear in mind that this bridge out here is about the oldest part of Leeds. It was, you know, for Norman times, like a gate, medieval times, sorry, the uh, stone gate entrance into the city. It's one of the oldest, like, limestone bridges that use that type of sort of stone and manufacturing in the world. Um, and, it, you know, there are certainly a, a great deal of history here that could be commemorated that is international uh sorry that is known internationally okay either way whatever the motive stealing vandalizing a plaque same way that queen victoria's statue was vandalized in leeds is a crime and is not right so please do not think i'm trying to justify anything but i am a bit shocked at the presumption that motive is racially generated i think that the motive is more political um either by the one that i've just highlighted there are um, a, a couple of other, sorry, there are a couple of other motives that I will be bringing to light in a moment. And one of those in particular is probably going to shock you. Okay. But before then, let's understand and, and analyze where we are now. So yesterday I saw that on the bridge, I think it's later on today, actually, there's going to be another sort of ceremony. Um, I think it's uh, something um, that um, BLM groups um, have posted about or organised. Um, I haven't looked much into it, but apparently something else is going on here later. Uh, there is also now going to be his plaque displayed on big screens in the market and also in Millennium Square in Leeds. Over the last week, we've had ITV here. We've had BBC here. 
it's been all over the news and national awareness has been brought to this story. Now that is pretty, pretty amazing. Let us think about it. The purpose of putting this plaque up in the first place was to bring attention to a story, bring attention to the struggles that minorities and leads in particular go through. And suddenly it's become of national attention. Now, it's interesting to note that the reason it's become of such great national attention is largely because as soon as the plaque was actually stolen and commenter asked from the um, deputy mayor in particular, who was heavily involved in this, this um, sort of plaque being put forward, um, that's Alison Lowe, um, as well as her associates. What came out and then, of course, was taken by the press is that this is a hate crime. This is disgusting. This we have to keep fighting racism in our city. Now, Alison Lowe, her parents moved to the UK or a dad from St. Kitts, I believe. I think that's around the same time, um, the same location, actually, that uh, Carol Palmer uh, moved from over to Leeds, um, around the same time as well when when David um, was living here. Now, that's just they all knew each other or anything like that. But they did have to grow up in a, in an environment that must have been pretty damn horrible. Because back then, if you look at the 60s and 70s, they were treated as second-class citizens. It was disgusting. You just need to look at David's story to see how police were treating people. And, you know, I know Alison got abused. She's open about it. It's in the press that she got abused when she was younger. Um you know, I, I, effectively, you grow up like that, and I know I know her son Adam is um, pretty prominent in the um, sort of le- uh, lesbian, gay, transvestite community as well, um, and he's a well-known writer. Um, I, I don't know him personally at all or anything, but um, I can imagine that, that growing up, he perhaps too. Um, experienced um, discrimination um, and was a victim of such. Um, but when you've grown up in that environment, these attacks that you've been having from police and, you know, the, if you've been abused when you're younger, not getting the police support that you would expect for such crimes, you're seeing an enemy here. You know, you're growing up and it's great to then want to make a change, to fight for equality. I mean, that would be incredible to actually bring society to a level where we can actually live in, in the sense that I've actually talked about before. And I, I believe like Carol like speaks about this in some of his literature as well, that we're children of earth. We're humans, you know, like we should all, that's it. That's what equality is. Children of earth. So you think about it, there would be no need for political parties. There'd be no need for any kind of nationalism or anything. We're children of earth. And that is genuine equality. However, it would must it would be very hard, admittedly, but growing up without having any kind of agenda, you know, and particularly when when you gain power, what's the best way to make sure that that enemy who's mistreated you growing up and people who are, you associate with friends, family in your area and what have you, what's the best way to prevent that? Get those people out of society, you know. Let's go back and just touch on briefly the um, Yorkshire Ripper. Again, 
treatment from the police, particularly to females, was effectively coercing females to stay inside because there is a killer on the streets and it's not safe. But men were allowed to go out. And, you know, if I was a female back then, I'd have been like, hey, this, this is crazy. Why do I have to stay inside? It's a man who was out there. It's a white male who was out there killing people. It's not a woman, you know. And that's what started the Reclaim the Night Marches. Reclaim the Night Marches that included banners, loads of them say men off the streets, men off the streets. Because women wanted to be allowed to go out on the streets. And it's interesting, actually, if you look at the Yorkshire media over the last few years, particularly since um, Alison's been in power, then you will see a hell of a lot about the streets not being safe for women, streets not being safe for minorities. And one thing that you won't see publicised so much is that Leeds, West Yorkshire in particular, uh, well, West Yorkshire has the highest, um, by far, male suicide rates in the country. Um, it actually has double the white male suicide rate of London. Um, and those were by latest figures and, and that was, you know, even before COVID. So I've no doubt that has probably get, got worse. You don't see that publicized, but any comment on it you do see, you see men need to talk more. Well, I'm going to come back to this shortly in a moment, but here is something else that I'm going to touch on now. Um, now if you listen to my podcast, in fact, or follow me before this, you may already know this story, but, um, it was two, nearly two years ago now, um, that somebody tried to take their life in the river while well, they actually took their life in, in that same river. Exactly the same bridge, in fact, where this plaque is being placed. I jumped in after them to try to save them. Um, I, I, initially I'm in the water. It's, it's freezing. I, I, I mean, I, not now, but I used to be a national level swimmer. I mean, but I haven't swam for about 20 years. Um, and I jumped in and was, wasn't sure I was going to make it to the other side. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't actually see them initially either. So I had to swim under the bridge and I saw the top of a, top of the, of the person's coat. So I swam over and managed to get them to shore. Um, then with a police officer who got down there because, there were people watching from the from the bridge, and um, yeah. And anyway, there was like ambulances, fire engines, and stuff. And I got this guy out, and the police officer, and I started, you know, like CPR and stuff, like literally very briefly, because at that moment, the paramedics like ran down. Obviously, it's in the centre of Lee, so you know, as soon as someone was in the river, someone obviously called them. Um, I, you know, the police were brilliant to me looking after me and told me to go inside and have a warm bath and they'd come in and see me shortly after which they did make sure I was okay um now I knew at the time and sorry just to, they obviously came in and also said that unfortunately the guy did lose his life um on the way to hospital I when we knew it was like suicide the way that I would kind of deal with that is to know it's not a coincidence that it was myself who went in after him because of what I do, what I'm passionate about, helping people's lives and changing how we treat mental health. And we're getting much, much better at this as well, slowly. That's an area we've got a hell of a lot of steps to make, though. 
few weeks later, I got a card delivered from the guy's family. And they said, you know, just to say thank you for trying and everything. And they said um, he had indeed actually had mental health issues, had been in care, and he'd actually just come out before he sadly jumped off the bridge to take his life. Now, I was then put up for a police commissioner's award. Um, I am actually recording this. As I say, it's nearly two years later and I've, I've got the card on my desk because I knew that his life would only inspire me, especially when I knew for sure it was because he had mental health issues. It would only inspire me to do more and more. Hence all the podcasts and everything else to help people who are suffering and to educate so that we can actually give the correct treatment to people. Anyway, in fact, in that the two years since, there have been many other people who jumped off that bridge. Maybe not all, but pretty much from what I've seen of white males. Um, anyway, sorry, let's get back to the point. <laughs> Let's analyse what we have so far with this sign. And, and there are four possible, sorry, this plaque. There are four possible scenarios. The first one I've touched on, and this is by far the most unlikely. Um, I think there's a very small chance of this being the case, that it is actually racially motivated. Um, what's far more likely, of course, is that someone who, you know, like the people around this this area in the main, although they're not, you know, very strong like, don't have very strong views on it um, didn't think it was necessarily worthy of a plaque um, and, uh, of course if you do go look at the media you'll see how residents are up in arms and everything else it's not residents of the area that will be residents of Leeds who are involved in the commissioning of the plaque and what have you um, in the area don't get me wrong we don't sort of condone that you know those things kind of being stolen or anything like that um, but you know, just meant most people from what I understand just didn't necessarily think I had the merit. Now it's possible then, of course, that someone felt strongly enough to go and take that down. But it's important to consider that this happened while it was still light in the busiest area of Leeds. I may be wrong on this bit, so you know, I don't want this being quoted. Um, but I've got a feeling one of the councillors was actually actually put the plaque up. I know they went back and did the replacement, but I've got a feeling they may have put the original up as well. I'm not sure if that's normally how blue plaques are put up or whether they'd actually employ you know, someone who, um, I don't know, like an engineer or something. I don't, you know, this is not my area. And take also notes that when I also say that when I had looked, there seemed to be zero signs of force. Um, screw holes were still there, but it looked perfectly clear. There's nothing, didn't look like anything had been forced out. And again, you know, this, I know nothing about DIY and what have you. It's not my thing. So maybe it is quite possible to simply walk past and in two seconds, take it off the wall without any force. Um, if you wanted to steal a plaque. Um, yet again, daylight, no witnesses and. The police, of course, have said that they're doing a thorough investigation. Yet, as far as I know, all the apartments here that look directly over the river, they certainly haven't been asking people in this building anyway. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's come. Who knows? But um, I would have thought if it was that bigger story that's now hitting national attention, you'd have wanted to go around and ask, you know. And, 
you know, I, I'm not saying this is the case, but we should possibly consider that maybe it's because they know they're not going to find it. Maybe it's because they know it wasn't stolen. And I know that sounds unbelievable, but it won't sound so unbelievable when I come to the fourth possibility. Um, you know, it is possible that the plaque was put up in order to create the story that's happened now. As crazy as that sounds, that's not an accusation because I don't know. But it's what me saying that is no difference to an automatic presumption that it's a hate crime. I'm not making a presumption. I'm just going through objectively looking at what's happened, what we know, and, and possible scenarios. So, I mean, from, from what I know, the plaque was put up, was commissioned in the first place because people thought this, this deserves more attention. You know, where there's a big community here, minorities that, you know, aren't being represented fairly and what have you. Um, yeah, I, I, and I'm saying that based on consensus, their opinion, whether it's true or not, is not down to me to say. Um, but they wanted to bring awareness to the story. They also want to give more support to people in those communities. Well, if I were a politician, and I like to think I'm quite intelligent, other people like to think that's it, it would be pretty smart. And I, you know, Alison and Associates, they're not stupid people. They've, they've, they've reached the top in politics, been successful in business and what have you. But if I wanted to draw attention to a story, having a plaque being put up, and then to create like a appearance of sympathy almost. Have that taken down and then like have the city nation believe it's a hate crime and we have an issue of racism. That's going to, that's going to promote the story much more than the plaque alone. Because you then have to look at what's happened since those people knowing that they control the police force. Incidentally, I should point out that Yorkshire became the first place in the UK a couple of years ago to have the handling of the IOPC transferred locally rather than handled nationally. This means that if anyone is unhappy with treatment of the police and what have you, and they complain to the IOPC, which is an independent body, you then receive an email back saying, we're an independent body to investigate police uh, conduct, etc., etc. I have passed your email to so-and-so at West Yorkshire Police to investigate, which in itself is absolutely crazy, i.e. if you report West Yorkshire Police, it will be investigated by West Yorkshire Police. It's kind of like, you know, having a... Um, someone who's accused of committing a crime basically being the jury which, you know, is, is a little bit odd in itself, but more, more on that's come in a moment. Anyway, if you control the IOPC, you control the police force, pretty much. Um, and then you also, you know, obviously if you're like Deputy Mayor, Mayor, Mayor of Leeds, or, or sorry, West Yorkshire, you have a pretty big influence on the media as well. So the opportunity to then, 
because uh, to me it, 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 it seems very odd that an objective view would instantly presume it's a, a hate crime or racism. That, you know, it just seems that's the most least likely scenario. Okay. But that's what happened. You can go and look at all the media and see all the reports that came out straight away. Um, that's how it was being treated. That's what it was. And that is why it's blown up into such a huge story now that there's been reporters out there every single day since there is, as I mentioned, like a, um, I, I think it's a BLM, uh, Black Lives Matter movement going on out there later on as a result and stuff as well. That's why the plaque is now being highlighted in the market, Millennium Square. That's why you will see on on Twitter, many people kind of say, ah, look, so they tried to take away the plaque and look what's happened now. We're only getting more. It's now only being displayed in the market, in the square. And then I saw someone else saying, and yeah, expected this i guess as well let's build him a statue and and what have you someone else i think said uh he's a george floyd of the the uk wow if i wanted to boost the story that's genius you know it wasn't the george floyd of the uk before I'm not saying what happened again isn't tragic so please you know i'm i'm no even saying that i will no doubt be accused of hate or racism and what have you which, you know, hopefully I'd, I'd like to think of your, well, these podcasts, previous episodes, all my other shows, all my social media and everything, well, it does enough to show my character. So I'm not going to stand here and defend that. You can go do your own research into me if you like. Um, but he suddenly is a George Floyd of the UK now. It's becoming that. So the objective was to bring more awareness and wow, it's really done that. So there is a motive. I'm not saying this is what happened, but there is a motive to remove it themselves, make out it stolen as a hate crime. And of course, that would explain then why it can be done in daylight without anyone noticing in the centre of Leeds. Um, why as well, yeah, police haven't sort of been asking for as far as I know and can see um maybe they've done some that i don't know of but they haven't been asking neighbors and stuff around here um we've seen anything that so that would explain that as well there's one other possible scenario number four number four is that it's someone who's been through something similar to myself or knows someone who has and knows that right now in Leeds, there is an agenda that the police force are adhering to, to destroy white males and to give them absolutely zero. And of course, that's white heterosexual males to give them absolutely zero support from the police. The same way that minorities had no one to turn to when they were victims back then, back in Alison's time growing up, and um, you know, obviously that whole whole sort of um, ne- yeah, not neighbourhood, but um, yeah, minorities back in the sixties, seventies, eighties, females as well. 
you know, society may have, has, you know, given privilege at times to white males in the past. Um, I don't think that should mean that people like myself are therefore made to suffer um, just because of the colour of our skin. Is that not racism more in itself? And when I say they get no support, when I first moved to Leeds, I seen a girl who was at uni here. And when it ended, the police actually looked at my phone. They spent 45 minutes in my, my flat then. And they said to me, and, and this story is, it's not the first time I've touched on this. Um, there's actually a long interview with, with Jamie Keeling, um, which you can access through my website. Jamie, obviously I do a podcast with now, but this was, you know, many years ago before when we first met, I was a guest on his show and I touched on this at the end. I didn't want to call it coercive control manipulation because then I make myself out sound like a victim. I said, you know, a psychological battle, I think I said on the show. But the police looked at my phone for my minutes and said, this is the worst coercive control I've ever seen. You need to report her. Um, at the time, you know, they said, she'll go to jail. And I, I said, I, I don't want to do that. Um, they're like, well, you know, she could do this to other people. And I said, I public speak. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot to help people. And I, I know I'll use this to, to help improve lives another way. And I'm saying that, you know, with a perception that nothing was intentional, like she may have just had issues and what have you. Um, anyway, I was in another relationship with someone who was a friend before. And this relationship ended sort of July, June, July last year. And this is actually going to tell people who've been following me and listen to this show and stuff and others you'll probably already know that I had a long break. You may also know that I moved back to Stamford for a few months and was going to stay there. and came back to Leeds in January. Now, when that relationship ended, it ended because it hit me. A bit like waking up in a war zone. It was a huge traumatic shock um, to realise, wow, these are, this is the same end game as to what I'd experienced before. It's almost like it was taught to make me feel a certain way. The op- to make me basically have my reality. Like you wake up one day and it's, it's a lie. And it's, it's horrible. There's something really key here in understanding my background. I had to psychoanalyze myself to get through that. I will use that process and already have been like it's, it's massively improved what I can do for others because those steps you, you're noting all this stuff and everything, but I, I had to do that to heal myself. Now, if I wasn't me, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have wanted to kill myself, you know, if I couldn't, couldn't work through and understand what had happened and then work through it. But what I did do was like this, in that moment, I realised obviously the intent of it because it was the same steps I'd been through before. I was like, well, this time I am telling the police. Like, how could that person be so stupid? They knew me, knew what I'd been through before. Well, maybe they knew that I wasn't going to get anywhere. Because first I called the police and I spoke for half an hour on the phone and the guy said, this sounds like terrible. Get to the police station. 
I got to the police station. There wasn't really anyone there. Uh, I think there's one person before me. I went up to the receptionist. Obviously, it's pretty hard to, you know, coercive control is like you, you're going to be talking to, for ages to explain it or they're going to have to look at all the messages and stuff like this, you know. Um, so I gave, yeah, you know, as brief as I could, summary to receptionist who I thought it was strange at the time. She wrote it down on a piece of paper, walked out the back, uh, came back to take a seat. So I want to be with you soon. Next person comes in, gets seen. Uh, sorry, goes up to reception. They make a note of their stuff on the computer, like a bit more normal and what have you. Anyway, about 10 people came in since I arrived and they were not only given the details, but getting seen and leaving while I was still there waiting. Um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because I'm not going to go and divulge the whole personal case because this can come at a later date. Basically, I was sent away and the receptionist saying they didn't have time to see me. Okay. I then had to, I, I didn't want to go. I wanted, you know, I said, well, can you get someone to come to my home? I had two officers come to my, my home two female officers who, who, as soon as they arrived, they did not even want to hear the case. Here how I was, I was in obviously in a bit of shock. Um, they actually came in pretty damn aggressive. Um, all they wanted to know was, what's her name? What's her name? We can't do anything without a name. And I'm, I'm saying, well, I'll give you a name. Hang on. Can I just tell you what's happened, please? Um, well, we can't do anything about a name. Give her a name. And, and before I could even show a message on my phone or explain anything, it was... I was about to crack and give them a name and they sat down on the sofa and one of the officers pulls out of her pocket a ripped up page from a magazine. And I said, that's not a notebook. You know, she then looks at the other, as she slid it back in her pocket, they both looked at the floor momentarily. Then made out I was a crazy ex and jealous and everything else and I was, uh, I needed help and what have you and left. And I'm stood there in shock. Again, I'm then on the phone 101 again, call the police, speak for about half an hour, say what's happened. Like, okay, this, this is really bad. I'm going to send a male police officer to you. Anyway, this never actually happened. And some events transpired whereby I then felt hounded by the police. You know, I had, I had the police smash my door in when they knew I wasn't even in. There's no reason for it. I, I mean, this all happened following me reporting the crime and, you know, I'm, and I'm not divulging all the personal details here, but that case never got looked into. I didn't have one message on my phone looked at. And what's actually happened since, and this is why I like to think they've done it to the worst person to try to do this to, to get away with, psychological bullying. They've made out that I'm crazy. You know, you go have a look at my police records now. I just wanted to report a crime to realising how much it impacted my life and those around me. You know, the following of it has put my friends through through quite a lot. Um, and, and, you know, people close to me have been affected as well as myself. And it started because I just wanted to report a crime. And I was then made out by the police to be crazy. Of course, I went and contacted the IOPC. And they went, well, this, is, you know, this, isn't, this isn't right for reporting coercive control. They've not even looked at a message on my phone or even let me, like, give a statement. And then, of course, I hear from the IOPC that it's been passed to somebody at uh, Daniel Stoppard, I think it was, at West Yorkshire Police. And you can see stories online of um, strange goings on with West Yorkshire Police and cameras and court cases before. Anyway, 
I, I, I didn't get anywhere, of course. And uh, I actually said, in fact, some of these, the number of emails, I mean, I knew what was going on very quickly because, like I said, I found out that the IOPC, of course, had been transferred, you know, to um, regional um, um, administration rather than national. So it was being looked into by West Yorkshire police. So, of course, that would explain why the police could treat me so so strange, knowing that even if I go and complain to the IOPC, I'm not going to get anywhere. And I actually said in my last email to them, um, I said, look, this is the reason why Leeds has double the male suicide rate of London. This is why it has such a high suicide rate. It's every single week there is a white male in Leeds killing themselves. And go check the, the data if you like. I said, I'm going to change this. And I said, Laura, I believe her name was always at Savannah because there were a couple of the you know, contact representatives from IOPC. I said, I said, I, I picked this up just from the, the way the emails went and the time they come back and then obviously knowing that Alison Lowe is now crime commissioner and in control of the IOPC so everything you're stuck in Yorkshire nothing could go up and um, I actually said at that time I said um, you know if the person I'm really speaking to here would like to contact me directly and talk then they'll know how to reach me 20 minutes later, Alison Lowe followed me on Twitter. So I'm going to pose another scenario here. There's someone who doesn't have my sort of personal values and, and what have you, um, but had gone through a similar experience where the things that they love about humanity and life and things that are great about, I was going to say this country, but really the world is progressing, suddenly destroyed in a moment because they realise that they're jumping in rivers trying to save lives and that same police force, when they need help themselves, aren't there to do so. And that's because of the colour of their skin. That's because they're a white male and they're sex. And that, I'm sorry to say that is racism. That is hate. So in boosting stories about victimization of minorities of females, in making sure that any story relating to that becomes highlighted, it's very easy then to not even look at a case if a female was reporting a man for domestic abuse which obviously does happen. I'm, you know, I have female friends who've been subjected to it. It's, and I, I was going to say, I hate men who do that. I don't, I don't hate anyone, but you know, it's obviously disgusting, but there's a reason why so many males kill themselves. There's a reason why the national statistics show it's usually twice as many men as females who commit suicide, but in Leeds it's five times as many. Maybe one of those has been subjected to something that they feel you're putting this up to commemorate a tragic story, but of someone who was hounded by the police to their death and they 
didn't get protection from the police. And yet, I have experienced the same thing as a result of the effectively the legislation that the person who is, you know, prominent in commissioning that plaque is controlling. That same treatment under this shelter is now being put onto white males, particularly white males who, who could, you know, I obviously come here with a lot of followers. I quite influential and stuff and, and, you know, don't risk another white male getting to power. And then uh, maybe, you know, that's why I was a target. I don't know, but I'm sure like, I know I'm not the only one because I've spoke to people who've been through similar things. Okay. They didn't understand it the same way. And obviously when I could shed some light on the psychology stuff, it's like, wow, that's what's happened to me. So unfortunately, and, and again, you know, it's wrong and it is racist and a hate crime if someone has gone and done that because of the colour of someone's skin. But it's only helping to create this belief where it's, well, it's, it's coercing society, if you like, in a way that makes it very, very easy to just neglect and in fact plan to destroy the lives of presumed privileged and I've worked bloody hard for everything that I have in my life and I help have helped lives of females you know like people from all over the world like different races whatever like but people it's people and who cares I'm a white male so I had to go through that and I can very, so I will say when I was watching that being put up, I, 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 you know, it brought a tear to my eye seeing a person particularly who basically said, you know, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. Like if this guy, want, even if he kills himself, it doesn't matter. We are not supporting a crime. We're not, where. It's a white male talking about domestic abuse from a female. He's not getting any support. We're not even going to look into it. And that's happening consistently throughout the board. And I will say that without any concerns of being wrong, because I have evidence of it, an IOPC investigation would show not just mine obviously but I if 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 there are more email contacts and messages between IOPC and other you know like white male victims this kind of stuff as there are you know that are on the level of mine I mean it's it's just it's just crazy when you look at it to be honest it's like wow um and the you know in fact what, what else can you call it domestic terrorism maybe um, so hopefully in me saying this hopefully David's story does get boosted but hopefully what's really going on in Leeds right now gets looked into as well and hopefully then we can actually move towards a society where we're not creating divides 
We're actually like sharing a love for one another. Because had that just been who on earth would steal a plaque off the wall like that? Without presumption of it being the most unlikely scenario of a hate crime. That presumption has been made because it serves an agenda. And I can't believe someone so intelligent would presume that's the case. Then the whole community would care a lot more and come together. But instead it's creating more of a divide. I do the most successful podcasts in the world, I think, on on Marcus Aurelius. He once said, the best revenge is to be unlike your enemy. And right now, those in power and leads and the police are doing the complete opposite. Because they feel that they have suffered due to white males in the past, that destroying white males in society now is a way to change the future. The way to change the future is to do what is right objectively and not be influenced by the things that you have experienced in the past. Sure, the things that you experienced in the past can create your values and, and what's important to you. But right now, there's a revenge agenda on white males like myself, and that is why Leeds has the highest, by far, male suicide rate in the country. So, there are four scenarios there as to what's really happened to this plaque. One of them, and by far the most unlikely, is the one that is being covered in the media right now. Thank you, everyone.